thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're going to open up with a text in Jeremiah chapter 48. I want to remind you that I've kind of taken liberty to kind of move in this area of transformation. Say transformation. Another word for that is change. Uh, we know what change is about. Maybe we think we know what change is about. <laughs> Uh, but change is inevitable. Uh, I don't care who you are, you just change. In, in a very natural way, uh, you change. I, I often said this, how unusual, how, how cute it is to, to observe a baby. I mean, there's nothing like it. You see a baby, uh, you see him running through the church, you see him in a mother or father's arms, and it, it's just... It's just so neat. It really is. I remember there was a lady I was introducing our granddaughter Hazel to the other day. And uh, she, she was rubbing Hazel's hair. Hazel has red hair. So it's real long red hair. So she just kept rubbing her hair, rubbing her hair. She just, and and she, she had broken English, but she said, my husband, who's now gray and bald, used to have red hair like this. <laughs> but I thought it was funny, but just... It's so cute. Now, 10 years later, if you were to come back and that baby hadn't changed at all, you would say, that's not cute, that's odd. Is that right? I'm trying to make a point here. So, all right, I really am making a point. Uh, it would be odd, it would be unusual. The same thing is true spiritually speaking. It's cute, it's nice to see a new believer, it's exciting, we rejoice over it. But if you come back 10 years later and they haven't changed at all and they're still the same, acting the same, responding the same, you would say, that's a little odd. And that's what this is all about. You don't stay the same. We're not supposed to stay the same. Uh, it won't happen physically and it should not happen spiritually speaking either. But look at this verse again. This is out of the New American Standard Version. Maybe you could read it out loud with me beginning right now. Moab. Uh, let's try that again. <laughs> now, I know I have the mic on and I'm heard over everybody else. <laughs> Maybe I ought to mic everybody up. And uh, that way we would really hear the response. You ready? Moab has been at ease since his youth. He has also been undisturbed like wine on his dregs. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. Therefore... He retains his flavor, and his aroma has not changed. I think we had a little bit of understanding last week of what that verse is talking about. It's talking about the process of making wine. And the process of making wine is that wine should get better and better, and not just with age, but through the very process of making wine. And this is a description of making wine. Now, Moab, the accusation against Moab which I pray that this is never an accusation against us. It's almost an attitude that Moab had. He just wasn't changing. He just took his ease. He's kind of settled back and, ah, oh, this way things are going to be. They'll continue to be that way. 
I don't think we ever have the, the, the comfort, I should say, uh, to just take our ease. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't bring rest. He doesn't allow us times of recreation and times of breaking away and solitude and things like that. That's not what it's about. It's an attitude. It's an attitude, and, and this is the truth of the matter. As, as of today, I felt a little bit of the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, throughout this day. Maybe it's because I'm on the subject, but I think, but maybe I think it's even more than that. And I cried out to the Lord, Lord, I, I know there's some more things that I need to yield to you. I know it. There's no doubt in my mind. And uh, just to be honest enough with the Lord to say, what is it? <laughs> And show me in some way. And sometimes we think when we say something like that, uh-oh, here it comes, the hammer's going to fall. No, that's not it. Is. When you come to the rock and fall on the rock, God is gentle. He'll lead you through it. He'll direct you. He'll bring a comforter alongside the Holy Spirit, friends. He'll do that. It's when we fight them. <laughs> you know, we're like bucking like a horse. We don't want to. We don't want to be brought on the any discipline or anything like that. That's when we find ourselves, the rock comes tumbling down on us. And, and again, it's in his love that he'll even do that, come tumbling down on us. And that's okay uh, for a father to be able to do that. Now, the definition of this, the word transformation that we're talking about, let's come up again, take a look at this. If you could jot it down quickly, we'll leave it up a little while. Transformation, an act or a process or an instance of transforming or being transformed. Now, they say you should never define a, but this is the way you find the first definition in the Webster Dictionary. You know, you should never describe a word, define a word by the word. <laughs> and I thought it interesting, and I didn't see this until after I had it already on a PowerPoint, uh, but it's changing. You know, it's a process of changing. And this book that I, I've taken the privilege to use is a book that, uh, that God allowed me to put together through a series of messages, and it started out with the working title, Change the Stairway to Spiritual Maturity. And I envision this stairwell, and that every step is a step in maturity, uh, but it's also a step in change. So it's the process of change, it's a stairway to spiritual maturity. And then if it's not broken, break it. I told you about Pastor John Hagee coming up with that one as I was describing it to him. And that also goes along with the whole theme of a, if it's not broken, we're used to saying, don't fix it. You know, it doesn't need fixing, why? But no, if it's not broken, you need to break it. Because there's something about brokenness before the Lord and remaining humble before the Lord that opens up just the windows of heaven. It really does. Where sometimes we think we have to storm our way into heaven and get what we want. And usually it comes the opposite way. Humble ourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you in due time. It's the humbling. It's be broken with a broken and contrite. Who does God respect or honor or listen to? Those of a humble and a contrite heart, a broken heart it would be. Uh, so it's a process, it's an act. So it's a process, and our whole life becomes a process in that. Now, I want to give you, I think, I, I had a list of about seven of them, and I figured I'm only going to get through four of them, and we'll cover the rest next week. That's one thing about a series. We can come back on it next week, and, and we actually have two more weeks in after this on this subject, so we'll come back on a lot of it. 
But I think we'll cover four things tonight, four truths, if you will, in this area of transformation, uh, the process of changing. And let me give them to you, and then we'll talk about them. Number one, change is a way of life, is a way of life. Uh, you might as well accept it. It is just a way of life. That the, it's the way it's going to be. Now, it's not only the way of life in the natural, but as I've already said in the spiritual sense also. But notice this verse in John chapter 3. Uh, their whole walk begins with change. Out of the Amplified, Jesus answered him saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is, what? Born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed. It starts right there. So it's a way of the life of a believer. It starts with transformation. You can't even start your walk with the Lord without being transformed. How many people have tried to, on their own, maybe do good or do what is right or live even, call it righteous way? There were a lot of righteous people that, there, you know some good people, they try to do it on but it doesn't work unless you transform. You got to be totally changed. And not just on the outside, but the inside. So it's transformed, renewed, sanctified. That is another word. That is the theological term for transformation, sanctification. That's what it is. It's the process of the Holy Spirit. There's three, three things you can say about sanctified. We were sanctified, we're being sanctified, and we will be sanctified. I don't know if you know that. You're not just sanctified one time. You're sanctified when you receive Christ as your Savior, Sanctified, set aside, set apart. So you're set apart at that time of salvation. There's a process in life of being sanctified. And then there's that final kind of like when we're transformed, you know, new bodies and everything else. So sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. So it's a, it's a, it's a way of life and it starts right at the beginning. And then uh, the next verse is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, which says, and, I say, and said, I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent, say repent. This is a key word when it comes to uh, the subject of transformation. It happens through repentance. Uh, brokenness, I said. That is, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, Lived what? Changed lives. That's why I like the Amplified when I was reading these texts. The Amplified are bringing out these words, sanctified, transform, changing, uh, changed lives, and become like children, trusting, humble, and forgiving. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So again, it's a, it becomes a way of life. Now, does that mean that we live constantly in the pressure of always repenting, repenting, repenting. I got to be born again and again and again. Not in that way. It, it, again, it's an approach to God. It's a position you take. It's an attitude before God that you want your heart to be pliable enough, soft enough that conviction can hit you like that. In other words, it doesn't take a club to hit you over the head. It just takes maybe a whisper of the Holy Spirit. Man, that what you just said was wrong. Just a whisper of the Holy Spirit. And you respond immediately. How many know what I'm talking about? And it can be done. You know where you best see this in relationships? 
husband and wife for sure, but any type of relationship, brother-sister relationship, family relationships, relationships on the, on the job, that's where, that's where the, the rubber meets the road, if you will. And that's when it can happen, when you know you've said something wrong, and as you're walking away, or even in the moment that you said it, the minute, how many of you said something, I'll say, but I won't ask the question. I'll just state the fact in my life. I have said over and over again things that I know I shouldn't have said to my wife. And I knew it the minute I said them. <laughs> you know, now I have a choice. And we're going to get to that. I can walk away and be stubborn and by golly, you know, she'll never learn unless I really stand my guns. You know what I'm saying. You guys are looking at me like, boy, oh boy, he's got a problem. And, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, right? Or it could be in a relationship. And, and sometimes one of the hardest things to do is cross over. But you know what makes it harder? When you refuse to do it one time, it's harder to do it the second time. And if you refuse to do it a second time, the third time, fourth time, how hard it is, before you know it, what something happens, a callous or hardness has come over you where you're not as sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So, we certainly want to be sensitive to that. God is constantly on a moving course. He's moving. you got to remember this about God. God is always moving. Even when you don't believe he's doing anything, he's doing something. Even during the silent years that you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, say some 400 years, God was still doing something. He was, and, and I, I could briefly go over it. He was, he was bringing the, the Romans into a position where they're leaders of the world for a reason so that, that in the fullness of time, Jesus would be born. The fullness of time means that when God had all the things together for the right time for Jesus to come. Well, when was that happening? Those silent years when Israel thought, where's God? Where's his voice? He's not speaking. The prophets aren't speaking any longer. And how often do we hear that in our own lives? God, where are you? You're not speaking any longer. That doesn't mean God's not speaking. He's not moving. You might not be aware of it, but he is. He's constantly moving. You go, he's got to remember. He's constantly working something out. Uh, he's constantly putting the pieces together. Uh, you know, and he, like I say, he, he sits in heaven and he controls things. You know, he has the levers and he's controlling it, making it work. Now, if we want to keep up with him, we're going to have to remain in a state of flux. You know what that is? Flexible. And, and say flexible. That's an important word. Blessed are those that are flexible for they shall not break or what? Something close to that anyway, right? <laughs> but it's true. Flexible, because if God's in a constant state of moving all the time, then we have to remain in flux, always flowing with God, ready that when God wants to change, that might be a change in your job, it could be a change in or whatever, uh, location. And so we have to remain and trust God through it all that's happening. I put down here in my notes, change or be left behind. Unfortunately, that can happen. Uh, be left behind or, or miss a step that we shouldn't have missed. Fluid, if you will. Now, when you think about this, if you think of someone, in a way you can say, wow, they're always changing. That means there's some instability in their life. 
I don't believe what we're talking about here brings instability. Matter of fact, I, bring, I believe it brings stability. And let me explain that just a little bit. Because the change that we're allowing to happen in our life and work in our life, this process of the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us around to His will and His purposes and His ways and align with His Word, it's moving us toward that which is eternal and unchangeable, and that is to be conformed into the image of Christ. So the very thing that, that we, we're just changing and we're flux, we're fluid, is actually making us more stable in our position with God. Does that make sense what I just said? Oh, that because God's eternal and He doesn't change. You see, because He's perfect, He doesn't have to change. Uh, so fluid to meet the demands of everyday living. Just think about that simple statement. You have to remain fluid to meet the demands of everyday living. If you're not fluid, something's going to happen. You'll break down. You'll stress out. Uh, you just, you'll get frustrated. Anxiety will set in all kinds of things. So change is a way of life, okay? Number one. Number two, change is necessary. Change is necessary. Um, the goal of every believer, as stated, um, is to, from, from, the, from the time of conversion until we hit glory. So there's no, there's no reaching uh, where you've attained to or have come to a place. We move from glory to glory. It's a constant revealing from glory to glory. Uh, why? Because we're being transformed into His likeness. Now, that alone... That's a big thing. Transformed into his likeness. Oh, wow, I want to be Christ-like. Well, more than I want to be Christ-like, Christ wants me to be Christ-like. The Father wants us to be Christ-like. He wants us to represent the Son. And you say, well, we've got too many flaws. Look, we're, we're human beings. It's true, but, but that, that's not our business. That's God. We, we stay faithful and stay submitted and we stay in a position where God's moving our heart. Let God take care of, yeah, we're going to make mistakes, but I've seen God cover a lot of mistakes. Cover a multitude of sin. That's God's love. Covers a multitude of things in our life. So we're being transformed. The transformation, the goal of transformation, we don't just change for change's sake. That's not what I'm talking about. We're being changed into the likeness of Christ. Become more Christ-like. More of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, manifestation of the fruits of the Spirit in our life, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. There's one right there. I mean, no, that's a lifelong project. Mm -hmm. Maybe not for you. The person next to you, it's their lifelong project for sure. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, now the New King James Version here, it says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his Son. To be conformed to the image of his Son. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. You know, so the, the word be conformed to his image is really, it's the transformation, the changing into the image of his Son or to become more Christ-like. So change requires being altered, uh, becoming different than we were before. 
I believe that, uh, and I know they're not as drastic day by day, but there can be something that can happen today that will bring about a change or a transformation in my life. It, it can be something. It might not be a biggie as you will look at it, maybe like the biggies in the beginning where it was easier for you to give this up, give this up, give this up, and go another way. But the little things, you know, that really count. Uh, undergoing a transition, um, and it all results in a, a transformation that takes place. So, number one is that change is a way of life. Change is necessary. Uh, being transformed into his likeness. Number three, I thought I'd throw in here hindrances to change. Because by now you're probably saying, okay, what are maybe some of the hindrances or why? And, and we'll get in. Next week, I, I've already started to put together next week. But I think there's some interesting things. I want to give you some, some indicators uh, maybe that you, why you're not changing. Or, or, or some indicators that, that, that really uh, speak into why we should be changing. Okay? I, I, wanna, I started making a list of those today as I finished this up. I made a list of those. We'll do that next week. So hindrances to change. The one major hindrance to change is tradition. Is tradition. Look at this spot. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition! 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 of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, Every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. My favorite all-time movie. Uh, I've seen the play. I've seen it in New York. I've seen it here at the Buell Theater. I've seen the movie. Um, I've probably gone on 20 times because I love it so much. So I thought about this. Now, there are uh, traditions have a great value. Let me say that first of all. They do have a, so somewhat of what he's talking about, there's great value. Bring balance to someone's life. Bring balance to your family. Uh, bring stability to your family. 
Uh, traditions uh, can uh, create a stable foundation to build on or to, pro to progress by. That's what. But they also can be a great hindrance. They can be a, a great hindrance. Traditions can be this way. So you have to know when you cross the line in your traditions. When Jesus came, they had crossed the line in their traditions. No doubt about it. Jesus came up a, 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 against a wall of traditions. Uh, and it wasn't just the 613 commandments or laws that they had uh, that they created based around the Ten Commandments, but it was, it was a great wall. Uh, it can make progress almost impossible if someone's so caught up in their traditions. I know this personally because of my background. The traditions that we were brought in and are bringing up in the church that we were brought in, there were traditions that, that I, I have watched. Uh, I've watched with my own eyes the hindrances that they've created for people to come to Christ and be saved. And uh, it was just, it, it, it was so disturbing to me. I'm trying to come up with the right word. It was so disturbing to me uh, because you, you almost can react in such a negative way to, the, to everybody in that particular religion uh, that they're in that just say they're all wrong, and that's not true. But there was such a hindrance to, to the traditions, and the people didn't, they won't, they didn't want to cross over. And I won't go, I better be careful. <laughs> I don't want to cross the line here either. But they, they can... Uh, make it impossible. Because here's what you begin to say. Uh, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> we've never done it that way before. And it might be just off the cuff, you know, and a gathering. Well, gee whiz. Um, we've always done it this way. So we limit the change that God is trying to bring in your life by little phrases like that that you don't think mean much, but they're actually a wall that God's trying to break through uh, in order to bring you somewhere. Let me write, I put this up here, matter of fact. I thought it was a, our God is not primarily a God of tradition. He's a God of movement. He's not primary. I use the word primarily because I, I believe in some traditions I say are good. So he's not primarily a God of tradition. He is a God of movement. Now there, you could call the taking of communion a tradition that we have in a Christian church. Well, that's not a negative. Often as you do this, do this in remembrance for me. So we're actually called to that type of traditional thing that you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if you come to the place that that's all you do is take communion with it and you lost the meaning, then it's a tradition that's a hindrance to God moving through the communion to bring the transformation in your life that can come as a result of participating in communion. You got all that, right? And it really can happen. It's just a matter of how you position yourself in it. He's a God of movement. Say that. He is a God of movement. He's always moving forward. He's always moving ahead. We need to stay fluid. All the things we've already said. I put a few phrases up here. I just didn't want to say them. I wrote them down. So, second, bring that. He is life incarnate. In other words, God put on flesh. There's a, a, a monthly meeting here in the city of Denver 
most of you probably know Jude Herrero and Confluence Ministry. What they have is a monthly meeting called Incarnational Meeting. And the reason he uses the word incarnational is because uh, Jude and, and Cindy and, and those involved in that ministry are really, they see it, their vision is to see uh, that we represent Christ, incarnate. I mean, we're, we're Jesus' hands, we're Jesus' feet. And that goes, not just coming to church on Sunday, but they practice it. They're out on the streets. You know, they're ministering to people in the streets. They're cleaning up neighborhoods. They're helping the poor. So that's Jesus incarnate. That's just we representing Christ. We put on Christ and we become his hands and his feet. So he is life incarnate. This characteristic is inherent in his nature. Life itself is a constant state of movement and change. Life itself is a constant state of movement and change. Uh, next one up here is that when life ceases, death sets in. Man, it's just that's what happens. You stop living, you're dying. Or no longer living in that. Mark chapter 7 uh, verses, there's three verses here I want to bring up. First of all, verse 8, you disregard the neglect and neglect the commandment of God. This is Jesus speaking. And cling faithfully to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside and nullifying. Notice this. Your traditions can even nullify the commandments of God. I mean, that's why this uh, there was so frustrating on minister to people. That I'm, I'm going to talk my way of being brought up. Truth is just brought out so clearly that they don't hear, no, that's not why I was taught it. So you ignore the truth of God's word. That's what they did to Jesus. They ignored his words because they'd rather pick up their traditions than hang on their traditions. You might have some traditions in your own life or your own walk, things that you grew up with, attitudes, way you've done things. While I was writing this down, I thought, you know, it's so evident, becomes true, that when you bring a, a man and a woman together, the woman has certain traditions they grew up on, the men have certain traditions they grew up on, whose traditions are you going to cling to? Well, usually you better take a good look at both of them and find out that neither one is set in concrete. Very simple thing. I grew up Liking butter. Cheryl grew up not having butter, having margarine. Guess what happened the first few months? There was a battle. I finally said, buy both. You know? But I mean, you, those little things, but they can even be greater than that. Traditions that you cling to. Uh, set aside. You are experts at setting aside and nullifying the commandment of God in order to keep your man-made tradition and regulations. So literally setting aside the word of God and its truth just to cling to your traditions. It's a dangerous place that you, you put in. So you nullify the authority of the word of God. Get that, the authority of the word of God. And there is authority. By, by rejecting the word of God, you reject its authority over your life. It will put you in a, in a bad position. Word of God, acting as if it did not apply because of your tradition, which you have handed down, handed down through the elders, and you do many things such as that. Jesus ran across this. It, it was a great hindrance to him ministering to those that 
so-called religious folks. Whereas the common folks, they didn't have so many traditions. They were just trying to get by with life. So they were more open to truth. And isn't it the same today? People that are just trying to get by, trying to make a living, need answers to how to raise family, need answers how to do it right on the job, need answers how to be free every day. Those are the people hungry for Those who think they have it made, those who think they've arrived, those who think that they hang under traditions and we've always done it this way and, and lived that way, they don't change. And therefore, they're not in a position where God can uh, do much in them. I put another word down here. You know what a fossil is? Now, a fossil could be described as a lot of things, but one thing, it's a piece of organic matter that failed to change. <laughs> it just failed to change. Somewhere along it stopped. And it just remained in that state of organic matter. It just did change in a minute. How many fossilized Christians do we have? Hmm? Fossilized Christians. <laughs> And I, I are one at times. <laughs> Become crystallized or hardened beyond the possibility of alteration. And that's where it gets real danger, dangerous. Where you're just so set in concrete that you don't change. It takes really the power of God, which we know is true. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, makes it clear. If you read the whole chapter, you find out that they were wanderers, they were travelers, they were sojourners. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, wrote it out this way, 9 and 10. By faith he lived as a foreigner in the promised land, as in a strange land, living in tents as nomads, with Isaac and Jacob, who were fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was waiting expectantly and confidently looking forward to the city which has foundations, an eternal heavenly city whose architect and builder is God. I wrote this verse down because as I read this verse, I realized it's an attitude we need to take. We're wanderers, we're strangers, we're sojourners. We're only passing through here. It doesn't pay to get your feet too ground, grounded in this world. Don't get so set that this world has your answers at all. Because it doesn't. We're looking for an eternal city. You know, we're, we're looking for a city whose foundations were put together by God. You know, something that's eternal. So if you keep that in mind as we travel through this life, hey, this is not my final home. The minute you begin to see this as your final home, you start to put the stakes down deeper here. Because you're looking for some kind of stability. By faith, by faith, by faith. All of Hebrews chapter 11 opening up, by faith, so-and-so. By faith, so-and-so. By faith, so-and-so. That means is that there's that whole element of faith and trust in God that you might not see moving all the time, and where you'd like to see more something more stable in your life and put down roots, and you'd like to get your bank account built up to so much, you'd like to get your house here, you got to get everything in place here. It's okay to a certain extent. If you always keep in mind, hey, God giveth, God taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You never know because it, it can really tear you apart when you're too grounded in this world and this is your security. That makes sense what I just said to everyone? Always have to keep that element of faith, trusting God, 
man, I'm here for a short period of time. I'm moving on from here. Don't know when it's going to be. I might have to live out my whole life, but I'm still a sojourner. You know, I'm still, I still have to keep that eye on Jesus, eye on, I'm being conformed to his image, eye on the future, eye on something eternal all the time. Let me get to the last one here for tonight anyway. Change is a matter of choice. Becomes a daily thing. Becomes a, a daily thing. A matter of choice. An act of response. Bring this one up here. This next statement here. Uh, it's a matter of choice. An act of response to the will of God demands, involves, and requires constant change. Put these together. Let's leave it up for a minute. If you're going to respond to the will of God or the will that God demands for you to walk in his will, it involves or requires constant change. So when you say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done, it's more than just words put together that sound very religious and are accepted by God. No, it, it means that probably something, in order for that to hump, happen, change has to happen somewhere. Because I don't think you can totally line up with God's will without some ch a change happening. Some change is, is going to have to happen uh, in your life if you're going to line up with the, the will of God. Um, it's a response. So, if I express a desire to know and do God's will, I'm going to have to lay myself open to transformation. That's what I'm trying to say here. And that's what our subject is, transformation. Being transformed, being renewed, being changed into his image. And uh, it's tied to God's will for your life, to be conformed to his image. A couple statements in a row we'll make here and comment on them. His will is progressive by nature. That's why I made that last statement. His will is progressive by nature. Okay? Uh, his will is progressively unfolded to me. And the next one, I do, not, I do not know all of his will at once. It could be too much. Isn't that true? Matter of fact, it would scare any one of us in here half to death if we knew all of God's will. We, it has to be progressive. It has to be shown. That's why when the children of Israel are moving in to take the land from the Canaanites and all the other rites, God said, I'm not going to drive them all out at once before you. Because what will happen if I drive them all out at once, you're not strong enough to handle what you'll be given then. So if I drove them all out and give you all the land, you're not strong enough to handle all the land. Same with the will of God. If, God, if it wasn't progressive, we couldn't handle. It has to unfold little by little by little by little. Sometimes it's a bigger bite than other times. God shows you, wow, that big part of that vision comes about. But it's usually just little by little. And that's why we have to be fluid and changed. Okay, I know only so much. This is, this is a great statement. And I, I don't claim this is my own. I, I, I read this. I, I know only so much. But as I embrace what he has revealed, I then become capable of receiving further revelation. Do you get that? I know only so much. But if I embrace what I know and go with it, go for it. In other words, God shows me something today, I go for it. It might seem very little insignificant to you. And sometimes we like to jump over those little insignificant things. 
like I was using some of the examples of, that a little small still voice of the Holy Spirit convicting you, what you think is just a small matter, well, I got to get on to doing some bigger things for God. No, God wants you to back up. One thing I've learned in my walk, and hopefully you understand it, God is more interested in the process than he is the product. I'll explain it a little bit. Now, we know probably one of the greatest things we could do as believers is lead someone to Christ, right? And that is to glory to God. I mean, it's we witness to them. They come to Christ by the work of God's Spirit. But I am convinced that the process that you go about life is even more important than that. Because our goal is to be conformed to the image of his Son. The product of winning souls is Jesus' work. Where it involves us is submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit in the sanctification process that brings us around to being conformed to the image of the Christ. That to me is very significant to God. I hope you understood that. I mean, they all blend together, but so God, it's like uh, someone's going to build a, I've used this as silly, but God, they're going to build, they want to build a great edifice for the glory of God. And so they go to a bank and rob a bank. And they build this beautiful church to the glory of God. No one really knows it, but they did. Now, what pleases, did that please God? No, not at all. <laughs> it's a silly example of it, but that's basically what I'm trying to say here. It's the, it's the process you go about it that makes a difference. So further revelation. How many would like further revelation? <laughs> we'll deal with the revelation you already have. If you want further revelation, do it. Well, God hasn't shown me. So, well, did he tell you to shut your mouth the other day and you opened it? Well, the revelation was to shut your mouth. You ignored the revelation and you opened it. We look for revelation that we put under the tag of prophetic and all this very spiritual stuff. And some of the greatest revelations come by the small, still voice of God just ministering to us as we walk along being the kind of husband, be the kind of wife, kind of neighbor, kind of fellow worker, kind of church person, or whatever it might be that God has called us to be. Okay, uh, Christian growth is one step at a time. <laughs> it's, it's one step at a time. Uh, I don't even know, yeah, I would say every once in a while, I love to jump a couple steps, but the older I get, I mean the more mature I get, I'm just satisfied going one step at a time. Did that help? Just help me right now. It just came to me. You know? Uh, but one step at a time. One day at a time, I choose daily. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23, our last verse for the evening. It says, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest, Take up his cross, how often? One step at a time, day by day. Expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. We talked a little bit about it last week. Follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org.
Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.